Tonight, um, we're going to be dealing with an aspect of um, um, full recovery. One of the aspects, one of the principles that Pastor um, touched on, um, not, real, not briefly, I mean, touched on, but we're going to go diving in depth into that aspect um, tonight. Uh, and that aspect is repentance. Everybody says repentance. Um, straight away, we dive into it. The Word of the Lord tells us in Second Chronicles from um, chapter 17 from verse 13. It's going to be on the screen. The voice version says, If I close up the heavens and their rain and send any of the disasters you described, drought, locust, pestilence, to ravage the land and people. Um, before we continue, a background to this story is um, Solomon had just completed the temple and um, had finished offering an amazing sacrifice unto the Lord, you know, and God was pleased. And God gave him terms of engagement going forward. Terms of um, a covenant, sort of like a covenant, reenacting the covenant he already had with his father. And in the process, God began to speak to Solomon and, and, and gave him this um, reminder so verse 14 says, And my people who are known by my name, humbly pray, follow my commandments, and abandon any actions or thoughts that might lead to further sinning. Then I shall hear their prayers from my house in heaven. I shall forgive their sins, and I shall save their land from the disasters. Now, I will witness with my eyes and hear with my ears the prayers offered in this temple because I have chosen and consecrated this temple as the eternal resting place for my reputation. My eyes and my heart, if you follow my ways as your father David did, do all that I ask you to do and follow my laws and commands, then I will establish your royal throne and keep my covenant with your father, David. One of your descendants will always be a king of Israel. Amen. Amen. So we're going to go into the questions. This is a scripture would, as we go along in, in the teaching, would refer to um, intermittently. The scripture itself tells me or tells us about repentance, about full repentance, what will happen when the people of God repented from their ill ways, from the ways that would offend God, because it seemed like God already knew that they would offend him. So he was saying before time to Solomon that if you people, the pe you people offend me, but you decide to repent, this and this and that and that is what I am going to do. And you know, this, this, this is a scripture that lots of people tend to pray. We pray as a people. When it comes to that part where it says, and, uh, I, will, I will heal their land, we get excited. But before we get to the part about healing the land, there's a part where God was talking about the repentance. So repentance comes before the healing of the land. So straight away into the quest, questions, what does repentance mean to you? Like we know it's an interactive session, and because I'm the man 
elevated on the platform. I have the right to choose anybody if you fail to interact, but I, I hope not. I mean, we, everyone here has got something and we, we, we tend to learn from each, each other. So when you hear the word repentance, what does it mean to you? Who wants to help us? Who wants to go? What does repentance mean to you? Real quickly, please. What does repentance, repent, the word repent, repentance, what does it mean to you? Anybody? Okay. There's a hand over there, please. Ushers, can we help? What does repentance mean to you? Repentance means changing your mind. Changing your mind. Repentance means changing your mind. Anyone else? Repentance means changing your mind. There's another hand over there, please. Is it just you? Maybe we need someone else to help us. Any other hand? So we'll, we'll go real quickly. Go ahead, please. To me, it means letting go. Letting go. Repentance means letting go. I wouldn't have talked about that. Letting go. Okay. Thank you. Any other hands? Repentance means changing your mind. And it means letting go to you. Anyone else? Okay, there's, there's a hand over there in the choir. Like Pastor would say, ever faithful choir. <laughs> we always have a contribution. Yeah. Good evening. It means turning away from, from a particular habit, a particular character, and then taking a U-turn. Turning away, a U-turn, a U-turn. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for everyone that has contributed. So many times when we hear, I mean, those are correct, turning away, you know, changing your mind. Um, I would never have thought about yours, but we take it as well. And many times when we hear the word repentance, we tend to associate repentance with the, I mean, I used to, with the unbeliever. So I just remember what we used to hear. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I just think about the man with a bell. Because when I was growing up, there used to be this very troublesome man with a bell. Always going around with the bell in the morning at 6. In fact, it used to be our bell that wakes us up for school. About 5.30, 6. just hear, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, and he will talk and talk. So we kind of associate it with, with unbelievers, you know, or that, that sinning, or that sinner, that sinner. You know, but I'll take some few definitions from um, the dictionary. www.dictionary.com defines repentance as deep sorrow. Defines repentance as a compunction or contrition. It defines repentance as a sincere kind of remorse. It defines repentance as that kind of that sincere kind of remorse from a past sin. It, 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 defines, it, it defines repentance as a compunction towards wrongdoing or the likes. It, it, it's, it's regret for any past action, any action that was not totally pleasing to someone or some group of people. It means to reconsider morally, to feel on at ease or anxiety of your conscience as a result of regret for doing wrong or causing pain. As a result of regret for doing wrong or causing pain. It, it says it means to think differently afterwards. So you, you probably thought something was, was correct, you were doing it the right way, but afterwards you had like a change of, change of mind concerning that thing. Repentance also means to change one's attitude from a previous kind of, of attitude. So, before we begin to, to talk about this repentance in depth, we, we must address the, the catalyst or the, the preceding factor for repentance. 
And that is sin. And that is sin. So when we hear sin, or when I hear sin again, I cannot think of something very grave. You know, sin, yes, sin, you know. So, so what is sin? What is sin? You know, the, we, we know what the, the Ten Commandments tells us about sin. So when you hear sin, the first thing that comes to, used to come to my mind was the, the Ten Commandments. Don't kill, don't steal, don't covet your neighbor's property, don't, you know, so on and so forth. Don't take the name of the Lord God in vain. You know, so but just to break down the word sin a little further so that we can have an understanding that we will use as a sort of bedrock for this teaching. So, when we talk about sin, I want us to look at the root word. The Greek word for sin is a word pronounced amartano. Amartano means to miss the mark. It means to miss the mark and not share in the prize. So, amartano which is a Greek word for sin, means to miss the mark and not share in the prize. But figuratively, it means to, to err. It means to, to offend. It means to, to trespass. It means sin. But in literal, I mean, it's literal translation, yes, it means to miss the mark. It's, it's a strong, strong concordance translation. Amartano means to miss the mark. So, it's the same word that's used in Matthew 26, 28, when Jesus was talking about, you know, when you drink his blood, he was offering the communion, teaching them about the communion and said, that was what they would use for the remission of those sins. Think when you miss the mark and you, you have the communion, it will help you with the remission of sins. It's the same word that uh, Apostle Paul used in Romans 3, verse, I think verse 23, when he was talking about all of Amaratano and falling short of the glory of God. So all have missed the mark and are missing out on the prize. Therefore, they fall short of the glory of the Most High God. So when we talk about sin, we, we tend to look at the grave ones, the grave sins. But I want us to think about the more subtle forms of sin. Because remember, we are just in a, full, in a, in a season of full repentance. And Pastor mentioned repentance as one of the principles that you must fulfill for you to have full recovery. Full recovery. You must have to repent or be repentant to enjoy full recovery. So let's not look at, of course, no one here is going to murder someone by, by, by God's grace. No, no man here will covet his, wife's wife, his neighbor's wife by God's grace. Amen. You know, no one here is expected to take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. No one here is, should be a thief. You know, otherwise we'll stone you. <laughs> like the, God forbid, no, 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 no thieves here. So I want us to focus on the, the rather subtle forms of sins. What about, you know, road rage? It's a sin. What about breaking traffic rules? Who has never run... The traffic light here, let me see your hand. I've never run the traffic light here. Never ever run the traffic light. Don't lie in the presence of God. I've never seen, when I saw red, I drove past. Ah, Pastor Lamine's hand is off. That means Pastor GD, your hand is off. <laughs> <laughs> or driving one way. 
So after all, it's night time, it's 3 a.m. in the morning. I'm just coming back from video. There are no cars coming. Let me just drive one way now. You know? Or when, when people are, are doing um, um, the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violence taken by force. So you form two lanes on the road and the oncoming vehicles don't have anywhere else to come. After all, you're not the one that started it. You're the, you the 15th car. You know? It's not the same, isn't it? It's not the same. What about that person that you can't stand? You know, I can't just stand that guy. You can't stand someone made in the image and likeness of God. That, you know, the person has bad character, probably some bad breath to go with it. You know? And some, you know, bad, you know what I mean, to go with it as well. When, you, when the person comes to you, comes into your vehicle when your AC is on, there's a, there's a presence inside the vehicle. But you say, I can't stand that person. And you avoid the person like a plague. Made in the image and likeness of God. You know, it's not a sin, you know? Right? What about rationalizing? Making excuses for those sins. The first person that ever did rationalizing was Adam. Adam, what have you done? It's not me, it's Eve. Eve, it's not me, it's devil. Devil said, ah, only me. <laughs> you know? We rationalize. It's the same rationalization that is aka excuse was what Ananias did. Was rationalizing it. And what, did, what was his, result, his, um, his um, reward? Death. Rationalizing was what Jonah did as well. When, when God said, go to Nineveh and, and preach the gospel. And Jonah says, you know, no, 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 I ain't going to go there. You know, I remember once pastor told us we we're going to do... Um, we're going to take tribe. The very first, he called me and another, um, another minister here in church. And after he told us, you can imagine our shock. We never taken tribe before. We didn't know where to start. The minister said, so, so pastor, what if I do, what if I do a Jonah? And pastor smiled. I mean, I can never forget. He smiled and said to him that for every Jonah, there's a whale. <laughs> for every excuse you have, God is waiting for you. So, in, in fact, anything you do, Contrary to what God expects from you, for you or from you, it's a sin. If God expects you to go left and you think in your infinite wisdom because you, we are wiser than God and you go right, you have missed the mark. And that's a sin. That's what sin is for definition of our teaching. Because I don't want to, we don't want to think about the, the grave ones. Let's think about the subtle ones. The way you think about your brother. You know nobody can see your thoughts, Right? Nobody can see your thoughts, the way you think. Jesus was saying that, we know back in the days, Moses said, if, if someone plucks the eye, take another eye from, take an, an eye from the person return. If someone murders, the person deserves to die. But Jesus said, the one you look at someone angrily, you have even committed a murder. When you look at someone else of the opposite sex lustfully, adultery has been committed. That's what we're talking about. The part, the part that nobody else but God, the one before whom you can actually miss the mark, can see. So Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. He says that I know them and they follow me. So when we talk about following, what Jesus expects from us so that we don't miss the mark and so we can have the prize is that we follow Jesus. So what does it actually mean to Follow Jesus. And 
And James describes it in, 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 in James 2, I think verse 17, when, when he was talking about that without faith, it is impossible. I mean, faith without works is dead. So, if Jesus says that my sheep, they listen to my voice, I want you to, I mean, follow this, and I know them, and they follow me. Follow there is the action word. And James goes to say that without faith, faith without works is dead. That means you can confess from now till thy kingdom come that you love Jesus, but if you do not follow him, the, the action part, faith without works is dead. And without love, you cannot walk with Jesus because Jesus is love. Is the author of love. And the author of love says that, you know what, if you really want to say you love me, two things you must do. Love the Lord God with all your heart. Everybody say with all your heart. With all your mind and with all your strength. Then he goes on to say, after you finish doing that, you now love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm thinking to myself that, do you know how much it takes to actually work on one of the most, you know, intense muscles in your entire being, and that's the muscle of your mind. So to bring that mind into conformity to love another being with all your heart, with all your mind, to love another with all your mind, it's a conscious thing. Like any muscle, you need to work on it and work on it and work on it. Otherwise, you know what? The moment that person stops greeting you or saying hello to you, or treating you the way you expect, you stop loving that person. And you know what happens? You have just begun to sin. You have just begun to miss the mark. So it takes a conscious effort. God says, I repeat it, love the Lord with all your heart. Everybody say heart. With all your mind and with all your strength. You need the strength to work on that mind. Because the moment you, you, you begin to logicalize loving that person, do you know what the person did to me? Blah, blah, blah. You are already missing the mark. Because to follow Jesus requires faith. And faith without work is what? Dead. Now, because of the way we humans are, are wired, repentance appears to be a very difficult thing to do. Granted, even sometimes for me as well. So, it's especially difficult or becomes especially difficult because it, it, it has to do with your flesh. It, 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 we, are, we, have, we are made of flesh. And we know the scripture tells us that the spirit and the flesh are always in a constant battle. So, it's impossible for the carnal man to totally repent because the carnal man sees with his senses. And what are the kind of man's senses? The sense of touch, smell, sight, um, hearing, and taste. So when, you see, when, you, when your, your mode of interaction to the world is based on those things, you, you struggle repentance. Because God expects us to dwell more in the spirit that doesn't use those things as his primary senses. Because the spirit's own senses are different. You have the affection, reverence, worship, and so on and so forth. Okay? So, true repentance only happens when we let 
go, I mean, this was a quote from Pastor, when you let go of your opinions to accommodate the position of God, that is where true repentance actually happens. True repentance happens when you let go of your opinion, regardless of how politically correct you think you are, to accommodate the position of God. That position that pleases God. That's where true repentance actually happens. When you begin to ask yourself, how does God feel about this? What will Jesus do? What does God require of this? What does God want me to do? Listen, and I'm saying to you that at this point in time, you are right. You are in your right. You are having an argument. You are in your right. You are, you are, you are in fact, you are, going to, you are going to collect your debts from one of your debtors. You have every right to take his coat. You have every right to throw him in jail. But the question is, what does God feel about this? What would Jesus do in this situation? If that's how Jesus feels, if that's what God will do, then you know what you do? You tell yourself, no, 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 okay, okay, you know what? I will relax my position so that I can accommodate that which is pleasing unto God. Then you have gained the mark. Anything else other than that, you have missed the mark. You have missed the mark. Praise the Lord. So to end this opening, the second question is, what, was there a time when you knew you must repent from something, but you continued? What was the result? Have you repented now? Quickly, quickly please, anyone. We, def- we defined how many hands? Let's just put up our hands. We're going to answer. We have one hand over there. We defined repentance. We defined sin. That's another hand over there. Now, the question to us, based on your new understanding, of, call it that, or your, or your renewed or reinvigorated understanding of repentance, was there a time when you knew you must repent from something, but you continued? What was the result? Have you repented now? Okay, let's go. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, for me, it was a time when um, something happened a time ago that um, I found myself in the cell. So I was asked, I was led by the, you know, the Holy Spirit to preach to someone that very morning. Was it, there was a message for someone, so I declined. You know, um, so immediately I declined. Um, another person stood up and preach the same message I was supposed to preach to the person. And the person who had that message stood up and was asking for help. So at that moment, I was, you know, it, I felt like te- I, at the point I, I was like, I could tear myself into 10 places. Like I just missed an opportunity right now. So um, of course there were times when I, it still happened and I declined, but you know, I, I stopped hearing messages, okay, when someone, um, you need to preach to someone, someone needs a message, it stopped coming, and I knew that it stopped coming, so mm. I had no choice, I just, mm. God, I don't want to miss this thing, you know, just, so I repented. And, wow, thank you, thank you. Before we take the other um, answer, I, was, I, I remember once Pastor shared his testimony about him getting on the bus once, and um, 
He felt the Holy Spirit telling him to preach to the people on the, on the bus, and he refused. And he had to take that bus maybe two, I, I don't want to exaggerate and, and take it, uh, misquote him, I think maybe two or three times before his mouth finally opened and he preached to people in that bus. And if I can remember correctly, the bus was on fire. Now, I was thinking, could it be because of that obedience, God knew that I can use this man. Could it be that was the foundation of God's favorite house? I'm just thinking. What if he had never preached that sermon on that bus? What if he was disobedient? That day will come and go. Nobody else will know, isn't it? In fact, nobody knew the battle was fighting between him and God. But that day will come and it will go. Nobody needs to know about it. But who knows? Maybe we might not be here today. Praise the Lord. I was used to. So, and the, the result was that anytime it happens like that, I just kind of like, like I'm starting all over again, like going back to square one, and this guiltiness just sets in. But by the grace of God, I have repented. Amen. <laughs> okay, let's put our hands to the Lord. By the grace of God, you have repented to the glory of the Most High God. Amen. Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you guys for being um, vulnerable and sharing your personal experiences. So, sometimes people confuse the issue of repentance. So, let's quickly look at what repentance is not. We've tried to explain what repentance is. We've tried to explain what causes or what should make you want to repent. Now, let's look at what repentance is not. Number one, repentance is not simply being afraid. So if you are writing, repentance is not simply being afraid. Do not mistake repentance for simply being afraid. A good example is Felix, the, the Roman, the Roman uh, procurator, that's the Roman governor in the time of Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul's preaching convicted Felix. Um, Felix called for Apostle Paul and he had preached you know, a wonderful sermon for, 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 for Felix, but, but Felix, the Bible records, even though he trembled with fear, did not repent, and he continued in his ways. In fact, the Bible says that Felix was even expecting Paul to give him a bribe. So let's, if you turn uh, with me to Acts 24, read uh, Luke 24 and, and 25 in the Amplified Version, it says that some days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess. Drusilla was a Jew, or Jewess, you call her. And he sent for Paul and listened to him talk about the faith in Christ Jesus. But as Paul was speaking and continued to argue about uprightness, purity of life, the control of passions, and the judgment to come, Felix became alarmed. Another version says that Felix trembled. He became terrified and said, Go away for the moment. When I have a convenient opportunity, I will send for you. So, you, you see, some people come in contact with the gospel of Christ. They come in contact with the news. When confronted with the news, rather than just repent immediately, they, they logicalize it like, like Felix. He had this opportunity to, be, to write his name in the, in the hall of fame. Who knows, you'd have been reading about Felix on the opposite as that man, that governor that gave his life to Christ when Paul preached to him. But he said, you read about him as the one that took a bribe or was asking for a bribe. 
He said, I will send for you. And there's nowhere recorded where Felix ever gave his life to Christ. So there are many people today that are afraid. They think that, that you, you know, the fact that you keep, they, 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 they're afraid and, and then they miss the mark. They're afraid. So they hear the word of the Lord and say, ha, God. Ha. Wow. Hey, did you hear pastor preaching today? Powerful. Powerful. But you go on. You continue like, but like Felix, nothing changes. And guess what? Such people die without hope unless God does something drastic for them. So do not mistake repentance for simply being afraid. Number two, repentance is not simply being sorry. So if you're writing, repentance is simply not being sorry. It's not simply being sorry that one has sinned. It's not simply being sorry that one has sinned. The Bible tells us in Acts 2, verse 37 and 38, it says, Peter's word pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, if you see here, the first one, the word didn't pierce the heart of the of, um, of uh, Felix, it only made him tremble. But here he pierced the hearts of the people that are listening. These are the same people that, that just crucified Jesus. So when Peter was, was preaching, he pierced their hearts. And their, their question then, which is very, very profound, was that, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins be baptized so that you stop missing the mark and you can now get the prize, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Stop making, missing the mark. Be baptized. Stop, stop missing the mark. That's, that same question, what do we do, was the question that Saul asked Jesus when Jesus blinded him into becoming Paul. What do you want from me? What do I do? And Jesus was saying, repent, so to speak, to Saul. And Saul repented and became Paul that wrote most of the New Testament as you have it today. Same thing Paul, um, Peter was saying to these men. You, you are murderers. You've, you've done all you need to do, but you need to repent. So you see that they were pierced in the heart by a godly sorrow. What pierced them was a godly sorrow, yet they were still told that they needed to repent. So, it goes beyond being sorry to actually turning so that you no longer miss the mark. So, to turn to God by faith in order to get the prize is what repentance actually is. Another good example is King Saul in the Bible. If you read 1 Samuel 15 verse 30, it tells us, and then he said, he's talking about Saul, when Saul had gone ahead of himself and began to play priest instead of Samuel. He said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may bow down before the Lord your God. Saul was in the habit of always saying, I'm sorry. Saul wanted to kill David. David ran for his life. Saul pursued him. While Saul was trying to, to go and relieve himself, David came, cut his robe, and told him, Saul, I could kill you. Saul said, I'm sorry, but he never repented. Saul was sleeping. David snuck, cut off again from his robe. So, David told him, Saul, I would have killed you. Saul said, I'm sorry, but he never repented until Saul died. 
But you know what? He kept on saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Always sorry, but no repentance. And, and I can remember Papi says that the difference between a Saul and a Paul is that the, the, is the heart issue. A Saul, wants, a Saul says, you know what, Samuel, walk with me and still show to the whole world that God is with me. But, but, but David says, you know what, my heart is breaking. I don't even want anybody to walk with me. I just want to lay before God until God sorts this thing out. On what pedestal are you? Are you the one that says, I'm sorry, but does it again? I'm sorry. The danger with that is that after a while you grow accustomed to it. And then your I'm sorry goes to, sorry now. Uh -uh. After all, I said I'm sorry. After all, I said I'm sorry. Number three. So number one, repent. Do not mistake repentance for what? Being afraid. Number two, do not mistake repentance for being sorry that one has sinned. And number three, Repentance is not simply and solely a reformation of life. Repentance is beyond the reformation of life. It is not just about a reformation of life. It's not about self-improvement. A man may quit a particular kind of sin. Why? Because that sin is causing him pain and sorrow, but not be repentant towards God. For example, a drunk... Every time he goes to work, gets drunk and goes to work. And your boss says, if you don't stop drinking, I will fire you. And says, you know what? I won't drink anymore on weekdays. But on a Saturday, I boost myself to stupor. You know, the people that live that kind of life do it because they, it threatens their relationships. It threatens their positions. It threatens how people see you in church. You know, if I... If I Let's go and outburst in church. People will say that I'm a sinner. So you know what? I won't let go and outburst in church in the office. If you try me, I'm going to kill you. So it's a reformation of life. You begin to have somewhat like a false life. Double split, almost like a schizophrenic person. You split personality. You, you, you reform yourself so that some people, you'll be acceptable to a, a, a group of people. So you'll not be disliked by by a certain group of people. And it's selfish, really, to, to take that kind of stance. It's selfish. So the, the question there is, have you ever struggled with reformation, which is not true repentance? How do you do with it? Is anybody here that wants to be vulnerable? Where you, you, you reformed yourself. You know you were not really repentant about it, but you say, you know what, this thing is causing me too much pain. Let me just, let me behave myself, so to speak. Who wants to go? Who wants to go? This happens to us many times, many times. You are sorry, quite all right. You are sorry about it. But you know deep inside that you have not totally changed from that behavior. Is there a hand? Okay. Is there another hand? Okay, two, real quick, please. Okay, praise God. I remember I am back then in the city of David. I, I used to be under Pastor Eshko um, as a teenager then. Mm. And uh, I was also in the youth church. I grew up there to be in the youth church. Remember then he used to give us instruction. I just go to church for going to church sake. Mm. Okay, so, um, so when he gives us instruction like um, nobody should go close to 
and opposite sex, you know, and I, I, I'm so scared of his words, you know, because I see a whole lot happen. And then when he gives those kind of instructions, I just, I stay off. My staying off doesn't mean I repented from it. Mm. I will just stay off for that week, and sometimes I can go for a month, and then I'll go back again. Okay, and then I feel, oh, this week there's nothing. There's no instruction coming this week. So I, I do, <laughs> I, run, I, I go as bad as, you know, going out, you know, to a club, and then in the morning I come to church, and then I know, fine, I'm just coming to receive the word. But when it gives instruction, like, you know, nobody should do this this week, and speaking to the youth, don't go close to this, don't do this, this will happen. I just stay off. You know, it's not as if I don't come, I come to church, I stay off anything that has to do with that. I don't go clubbing, I don't do anything, I just, I just, <laughs> I just lay back, you know. So that fear of not being consumed, you know, but then, after a while, I just feel, oh, this, this thing is gone, so I can, like, go jollof my life. Thank you very much for being vulnerable. As was the fear, yeah, you can clap if you want to clap. As was the fear of not being consumed. For some people, it's image. I reform myself. I won't go close to anybody because I don't want anybody to see me like this. So they don't think I am like this. Thank you very much. I can remember that a very good friend of mine offended me. And um, it pained me to my marrow because she, we do things in common. And there was this thing I wanted to do. She wanted to do something and I know about it. And she didn't tell me about it. So I heard from another person. So when I wanted to do mine, I didn't tell her. And I told her other friend, I'm not going to tell her about this. I'm going to do it without her. And then she kept convincing me to let go of that pain and just call her to this one. Then I said no. And then every time I want to pray, uh, the Holy Spirit will remind me of that thing that I have in me, that you have not forgiven this person. So I will not feel comfortable when I'm praying. So I just told myself that, oh, I'm going to forgive her. Then the next um, day when I saw her, I smiled. Before, when I see her, I'm just like, oh, hello, hi. And everybody will just go their way. But this time I saw her and uh, I greeted her very well. And in my mind, I just told God, God, you see, I'm greeting her well. And I'm, not, I'm no longer hungry with her. But then I'm not going to let her know about this thing. So, you know, I used the um, relating with her well. I did every other thing except telling her about that thing. But I still, I still did not have that peace in me because God was making me know that until I tell her about that thing, until then will, it, will everything, I mean, calm down and then it will answer me when I pray. Mm. So I had to break myself down. I had to come back to God and do that which he told me to do. Then I, I prayed about that God would make it easy for me. Mm. So one, one morning I just... One uh, morning, I just called her, are you at home? She said, I said, okay, can I see you in the evening? And then I went to her and I told her about that thing. But you know, she hasn't even done that thing. Mm. So I would have just, she, what I thought, she didn't tell me about. She had not even done it. So when I poured my heart to her and I told her that, you know, I didn't want to tell you about this thing because you didn't tell me about this. She was like, oh, I've not even done it. So I really felt bad about myself. Mm. So I now had to tell her about that. So... That was when I knew that I had totally repented mm. until I told her, not, when, not being friendly mm. with her. Thank you very much. Amazing. And you know, sometimes when, when God is asking us to repent, we think he's doing us a disservice. You know what? Like we learned on Sunday, it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a condition. 
for you to be fully recovered. Condition. So, and I, I remember um, when I was preparing this, I mean, I felt reminded about a man, uh, you know, in church, you know, and I was saying to him that you should join the workforce. Yeah, in church, the workforce, you know, you've been around for this long, time to step up. You know what he said to me? He said that he, he knows that he still has some, some issues he's dealing with. He doesn't want a situation whereby people outside see him, you know, in church, see him outside doing those things. And then they'll be wondering, but this guy is a worker in church. And I said to him, you have not repented. Because if you are saying to yourself that this, I, I, because what he's saying to me is that he's a reformed man. He has a, a face for church and a face for his social life. So if his social life still means that, I mean, of so that importance to him, to the point where he says, you know what, I cannot make a commitment for God, then you still haven't repented. You still haven't repented. So now, now we, we know what repentance is not. What then is the kind of repentance that we are talking about? We're talking about that repentance which is a change of mind or your will based upon godly sorrow. We're talking about the repentance that's a change of your mind or your will based upon a godly sorrow. It's broken your heart to the point where you decide that I will change my mind or I will change my will. Is this song? That song, take my heart and mold it. Take my life, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours, to yours, oh Lord. Amen. So, let's read Luke 15, and we'll go from 11 to 21 real quickly. It's a very popular story, the story of what we call <laughs> the prodigal son. Prodigal son. But before we read that, I, 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 I bookmarked a, a scripture that I want to share that talks about godly, godly sorrow. It says in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 8 to 11, it says, I'm not sorry, this was Paul writing to the Corinthians, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you. Though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful for you for a little while. Now I'm glad I sent it, not because he hurts you, but because the pain that that letter cost you made you repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow that God wants his people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow lacks repentance. Everybody say worldly sorrow lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So it lacks repentance and results in spiritual death. Just see what this godly sorrow, that's the kind of sorrow that God wants, produced in you. It produced such earnestness. Everybody say earnestness. Such consent to clear yourselves. Such indignation. Everybody say indignation. And an alarm. Such longing to see me. Such zeal. And such a readiness to punish wrong. You show that you, you have done everything necessary to make things right. You see, the kind of repentance that will produce an alarm 
where when you do, you're about to do that thing again, and the alarm keeps blowing. Beep, 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 beep. That's the kind of repentance um, Paul was talking about. And two things jump at, jump at us from this scripture. Number one is that the true repentance produces godly grief. And godly grief is conviction. True repentance will always produce godly grief that is conviction. But guess what? Worldly repentance, that's the false repentance, produces worldly grief that's condemnation. Big difference. Huge difference. The one that is fake, that is artificial, will cause condemnation. The one that is the true repentance, the one that's original, will bring about the godly grief. And that's where conviction, that's where the Holy Spirit begins to talk to you from the depth of your being. So from these scriptures and many more that we will study tonight, you know, it's, it's a Bible study. That's why we're giving lots of scriptures. You can, for the ones we can read, you need to take them on. You see that true repentance is a U-turn. Everybody say U-turn. There's a, there's, a, there's a diagram we'll see very shortly. It's a U-turn resulting in a manner of life directed by Christ. True repentance is a U-turn. It's a U-turn. So next time when you see this direction, when you see this um, directional symbol on the road, just remember the amount of times you need to repent from certain things during the day. Because they are, I can tell you that in 24 hours, there's a lot of things you need to repent from. From the way you think, from the way you talk, from your expectations. Every time you see that sign, just remember. It's a, time that's, it's a sign that's telling you, you know, time to get back, head back to where you're supposed to be headed, the right direction. Head back to the right direction. You know, and, 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 and in Acts 20, 26, um, um, Paul was recapping the time when he just sort of gave his life to Christ. He was talking to, to, to Agrippa, saying to him that, I began in Damascus, then I continued in Jerusalem, then throughout the Judean countryside, then among the outsiders, telling everyone that they must turn from their past toward God and align their deeds. They must turn. He was saying that they must turn. Everyone needs to turn. Now that you have heard the word of God, now that you know you must turn, turn from that way. Turn. We're not talking about turn from thou shalt not kill anymore or thou shalt not steal. We're talking about turn from missing the mark. There's no true repentance. Put up that, that, that diagram again. I want us to keep staying at that diagram for a while. There's no true repentance without a Holy Spirit-led change in direction. No repentance. Look at that scripture. What is it in your life that is subtle that you know you need to do a U-turn right now? A U-turn. You are praying to God for full recovery. U-turn. 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 Turn. U-turn. 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 And in Luke 15, from verse 11, he says, I'll read real quickly. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate right now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he squandered all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded the local farmer 
to hire him. And the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one would give him anything. When he finally came to his senses, when he finally made a U-turn, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. Everybody say love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. In this story, when was repentance actually completed? In this story. Just one person, quick answer. In this story, when was repentance actually completed? Who can answer that? Very quickly. Anyone? Okay, go on. Just the choir, every time the choir, nobody else. Okay, go on. Thank you very much. When he actually got before his father, that's when repentance was completed. Some people start on the journey of repentance. I'm sorry. No, I feel bad about this. Godly grief. I'm sorry. I will apologize. And it ends with I will apologize. They never get to the point where you go and meet the person and you confront the person and say, you know what? I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm sorry. Guess what? It doesn't end with I'm sorry. What's the next word? Who can answer? Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And you know, that's the most difficult part. <laughs> I remember Pastor was sharing a part where the Holy Spirit told him that some people offended him, paraphrasing now, and the Holy Spirit was telling him to go and apologize to those people. Ah, this is our God. It's very, very backbreaking. How can I go and apologize to people that have offended me? But therein lies true repentance. Because you have been obedient. I am sorry. Please forgive me. And after you say, please forgive me, guess what? You actually turn and don't do it again. Because when you do it again, have you really repented? Have you repented? Have you repented? No, you've not. No, you've not. There's no logic to it. No, you've not repented. So, we're going to move real quickly now. We're going to talk about the facts about repentance. Number one, unrepentance is a hindrance to prayer. Yes, it is. Unrepentance. You refuse to repent, no full recovery. Breaking news. Unrepentance is a hindrance to prayer. John 9, 31, it says, We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does respond and walk through those who worship him and do his will. Do his will. He says, repent, repent. You know what it is God is telling you to repent from. Do it. Otherwise, no for recovery. Pray from now till 
Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2 puts it this way. It says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear to death to hear you when you call. It's your sins that has cut you off from God because your sins has turned, because of your sins, he has turned away and he will not listen. Sin creates an ever-increasing gulf between man and God. Why? Because God can't stand sin. Know that if he comes close to sin, what does he want to do? He wants to destroy sin. The Bible says, he was talking about the Israelites, he says, I cannot walk with you people because you are a stiff-necked people. If I walk with you, I'm going to break your neck. So God is saying that if you, if you are praying to me, if I come close to you in your state, I'm going to break your neck. So I'd rather just give you some space because I don't want to kill you. So in, in fact, in, in, in most cases, re, re, repentance is a prerequisite for answered prayers. So if you have been praying about an issue for so long and you're not getting an answer, I suggest you want to go back to the Holy Spirit and say, is there something about me the Bible says in Psalm 139, search me through and through. Search me through and through. See if there's any way unrighteous about me and may there be a U-turn. Lead me to the path of life everlasting. Lead me to the path of life everlasting. For some of us, God may be saying to you, forgive that person. When you're saying, do you know what the person did to me? God is saying, don't you want full recovery? He has wronged me. I know he has wronged you, but don't you want for recovery? Praise the name of the Lord. When you forgive the person, you're forgiving the person for your own sake, not for the person's sake. Number two, unconfessed sin is unrepented sin. Unconfessed sin is sin you don't confess. It's a sin you have not repented from. Proverbs 28, 13 says, People who conceal their sins, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. Do you want to prosper? Stop concealing your sins. But when they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. David said in Psalm 32, from verse 3, he says that when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand was of, of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, everybody say finally. I confessed all my sins. How many sins? All my sins to you. And stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And guess what happened? The Lord forgave him. Boom! Full recovery. Hallelujah. Repentance is, number three, repentance is an important or a prerequisite necessary condition to fulfill for forgiveness of sin. Repentance is a prerequisite, a necessary condition you must fulfill for the forgiveness of sins. Luke 15, verse 22 to 24, the Living Bible translation says that, but his father, that scripture we just read, but his father said to the slaves, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him, and a jewel ring for his finger and shoes, and kill the calf we have been fattening. Kill that calf. We must celebrate 
with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has returned to life. He was lost and is found. So the party began. The party began. As soon as he actually confessed his sin. So another thing is that when we confess confess our sins, we, we tend to glaze to them. Lord, forgive me for all my sins, for I have sinned. <laughs> I learned practically from an author, a very wonderful author called Bill Highbills. Bill Highbills says that when you confess your sin, you itemize them. Then you confess them. Then you detest them. And you commit to not return to them. It says you must itemize them. So for, for, for the sin... Uh, I call it a sin repentance best practice. A sin repentance best practice is for you to list out the sin. List it out. List it out completely. After you list it out, confess it. Confess the sin totally. When you finish confessing the sin, detest it. Let it come to a point where you, you loathe the sin. It breaks your heart because it's breaking the heart of the Most High God. And then guess what? You forsake the sin. Then confession is complete. You list it, confess it, detest it. Let it become loathsome to you and you forsake it. An example, if you lied about something, don't just say, Lord, forgive me for all my lie lie. No. <laughs> confess about the lie. I'm sorry that I told a lie to Holy Spirit. Help me. Let the lie break your heart. Let you become sorrowful about that lie. Not because you were caught, not because someone could find you out, but because the, the Lord, you know, the, the question is, if, why, why are you repentant? Is it because you, you're, you're afraid of being found out? Someone actually told me once that, you know, I'm afraid of God. Are you, what about the love for God? What about the love? You're saying, you know what, I, I don't want to break his heart. That's why it becomes detestable to you, because you know that this thing is detestable to your father. I don't want to break his heart forsake this thing. I forsake it. Praise the name of the Lord. What that does for, for us, that it, it achieves two, two things actually. Number one, when the accuser comes, the accuser of the brethren to accuse you, guess what? There's nothing to accuse you because why? Your father already knows it and your advocate will be standing ready for you because you already have, have confessed it yourself. Number two, it takes a lot of humility to actually list out your sins like this and confess it to God. It takes a whole lot of humility to actually list it out like this and, 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 and confess it to God. And when you keep confessing like this and you go back and you confess and you go back and you confess, you have to be literally crazy to continue doing the same, repeating the pattern over and over again. It takes total madness to say, I'm sorry, you confess it, you test it and forsake it and go back to it over and over again. If it continues, if you fall into that category here, then you're dealing with a stronghold. And guess what? Because this is a season of full recovery, that thing is broken in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can't keep going back. You say dogs don't go back to their vomit. That's, I mean, popular adage. So we see that repentance precedes forgiveness. And when we follow this process, we are assured that God is willing and is able to cleanse us regardless of what you have done, regardless, regardless of how grave it was or it is. I stand here as a living testimony. I know what I have done or what I had done. And if God can accept me, 
cleanse me, make me full, make me fit to stand in his presence, then he can save anybody. Hallelujah. 1 John 1, 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. How many wickedness? All wickedness. There's no sin God cannot forgive. There's no missing of the mark God cannot put straight. The sad part is that people prefer superficial, superficial repentance. That's a repentance that's on the surface. Nothing changed on the inside. And what the Bible tells us in, in Joel 2, from verse 12, it says, Therefore, also now said the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart. Everybody say, rend your heart. That is, literally shred your heart. Tear your heart. Rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and great kindness, and of great kindness, and of great kindness, and of great kindness. And repented him, and to him who repented of evil. God is of great kindness. When you rend your heart, God will show you kindness. Finally, in some cases, repentance is necessary for healing. So, unrepentance is a hindrance to healing. Unrepentance is a hindrance to healing. And verse 20 of Luke 15, that scripture we read earlier says, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. If he had not repented and gone home, he never would have been healed. He never would have known if there was an embrace and a kiss waiting for him. He would never know. He probably would die thinking, oh, my father will never forgive me. Oh, my father never loved me enough to tell me not to take my inheritance and leave home. He probably would you know, live with different... And guess what? The devil is a master of that. He help you amplify it. You're no good. You're a prodigal son. You left home. You're not forgiving. Your father has cost you. But when he repented and went back, his father had an embrace and a kiss waiting for him. And the Bible tells us in James 5, verse 16, that admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. Why? Because the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and doeth wonders. Matthew 13, 15 says, For this nation's heart has grown hard, and with their ears, they hardly hear. And they have tightly closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn to me. Why? So that I will heal them spiritually. I want to close with one um, story Pastor has shared a couple of times. He says there was this young boy that used to work in the factory. You probably have heard it, just a refresher. He used to work in the factory and he had a younger sister that was gravely ill. So the boy would steal, um, he used to work in an egg factory, an egg factory, chicken, poultry, I think, poultry, chicken, and egg. 
chicken egg, egg chicken factory. So I want to amplify this story a bit. So maybe you stole some eggs today, tomorrow stole some chickens, stole some eggs tomorrow, stole some chickens, stole some gizzard, you know, just kept on stealing to sell and make sure that his younger sister was well. One of those days he stole a chicken and he went home. And when he got to work the next day, he used to do a shift. So let's say work from 9 to 4 or 9 to 5. I wanted to go home. I was about to go home and the supervisor said, you, you're working all night today. Say, me, why? And the supervisor said, look at you. Remember the chicken? <laughs> so that means the supervisor was watching him while he stole the chicken. So for, I don't know what duration now, for donkey years, this guy became the slave to the supervisor. So he would work his own shift, work the supervisor's extra hours, and the supervisor would take the extra, extra time money and pocket it. But he was a slave to the supervisor for a long time. And one day, the story goes that the boy got fed up and said, you know what, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to walk to the owner of this factory, egg chicken, chicken egg factory, and confess to him that I stole a chicken. And I said, someone is courage and walked into, let's say, the office and just say, Oga, I stole your chicken. The man said, how come it took you so long? I knew all along. I was wondering when you will come and get help for yourself. That means God knew that time when you missed the mark. He knew that time when I missed the mark. And he was there with loving hands waiting to embrace and kiss us. But guess what? We allowed the supervisor, God Devu, to give extra time over and over again. So let's bow down our heads as we bow down our hearts. The Bible tells us in, in Luke 24, verse 45, that that Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand. They opened their minds so that they could understand. Today we'll share the word. I have a brief on repentance. You know that in the depth of your heart, the things that God has told you to repent of. So for a few seconds, I want you to confront some tough questions right now. Confront some tough questions right now. Just ask, ask. I mean, do, do, do a reflection, do a flash. All eyes closed, all heads bow. Do a flash on where you have been in your journey of life. Are there things that... You ought to confront right now. Are there things, are there places where you have missed the mark over and over and over again and God has been talking to you? But you want to recover. God has been telling you, look here. If you don't pass this level, you can never be promoted. If you don't obey these ones, forget it. It's been speaking to you. Or perhaps you are here. You need... You need um, the very first kind of repentance. That is turning from your old way of life to the new and everlasting way. Put up your hands and we'll pray with you. If you're here and you know deep inside 
that your first stage is a total repentance from your old way of life and then confessing with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior only then can you begin a relationship with him if you fall into that category put up your hand I will pray with you Jesus is not the Lord and master of my life if you are online the instructions are, are, are scrolling just follow carefully send a mail to pastor if you're here and Jesus is not the Lord and master of your life you need repentance put up your hands I will pray with you amen our Lord and our King we bless you we thank you because you love us so much thank you Lord for rending our hearts thank you for pointing out places once again in our lives where we have missed the mark and in the process missed the prize Thank you for allowing us another opportunity, Lord. We give you all the praise tonight, Father. In Jesus' precious name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Amen. Amen. So there's a commit session. But before we take the commit section, is there any question? Any question? Any question? Okay. There's a hand over there. Let's just take all the questions together. Any other question? Anyone else? One at the back as well, or two. And those two hands. One to left. Number one. Let's go, please. Over there to left hand side to the other. Left hand side. Okay. Let's take that one first. We'll come to you, sir. Okay, go ahead. No mic. Did you put up your hand for a question? Pardon? I can't hear you. Okay. Go ahead. Praise God. Good evening. Good evening, sir. I came quite late. But, uh, Pardon me? I came quite late, but uh, we just took it up from where I met. And uh, I'd to ask this question. Okay, go ahead. Ah. You said your atomize all your wrongdoings. Yes. Atomizing that to who to be specified? To God. God. Is it out of place where maybe for someone whom you felt you've cheated in the past? Is it out of place to go and say, look, I did this. I'm a changed person now, but I just felt she come acknowledge that I cheated you in this way, X, Y, Z. Please forgive me. And if it is right to do so, isn't it also right to take um, in consideration, to take to consideration what actions might follow thereafter? Praise the Lord. That's a very good question. Um, why we itemize our uh, 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 wrongdoings to God, there's also a place for restitution. There's a place for restitution. So you want to prayerfully, um, prayerfully restitute. So if you've offended someone, say you stole from the person, you want to prayerfully engage it because honestly, not everybody is ready for, um, for the truth. <laughs> Some people are not really ready for the truth and that's a fact. Um, 
you might go to him with the truth, and if the truth is too heavy, his reaction <laughs> might not be something that you are you're ready for anyways. But in any way, if, restitution is always a beautiful thing because the Bible says, and this is in the Christian con- context, amongst brethren, when you restitute, when you confess your sins to one, confess your sins one to another, it helps you also heal. It's, it's something of, the weight is lifted off you, and I believe also lifted off from, from the person. Now, um, I want to ask the gravity of um, sin, so to speak, restitution, but if it's something that you think is very grave, you don't want to talk about it here, you can see us after service. We can um, guide you. Someone will be able to cancel you based on the gravity of what you have done. But if it's that you lie to the person about um, it being day when it was nighttime, of course, go ahead. If you um, stole something from the person, go ahead and say, I mean, say it. But there are some sins that you, we know can be very grave that sometimes, if not without proper counsel in restitution and confession can even lead to a, a graver kind of result where um, sin is used to rep- respond to sin. If you, know, you know what I mean by that? Where, you use, where someone uses sin to respond to sin. For example, what if the person has a gun in his hand and becomes a gun and shoots? Depends on the gravity of the crime committed against the person. Am I making sense, sir? Am I making sense? Does that help you? So you can see us after service and we can talk about it. Okay? Thank you very much. Any other questions? Was that a hand? Or just waving? Okay, thank you very much. Okay, the commit session. Let's write. You're going to say, Father. You're speaking in your mouth and they write, Father, I commit to... That's... Was it supposed to be there? I commit to a heart check. If there's anything within me that offends you, I commit to letting go so that my heart may change and I make this commitment as I rely on your grace in Jesus' name. I begin to speak to the Lord about it. I commit to a heart check, more, Lord. Check my heart. See if there's anything in me that offends you, my Lord. Purge us, our Father. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto the Lord. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' glorious name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Tell it in the cause of a tussle.